Hi, this is Lisa, and if you're just joining us, this is I Love That Movie. So, just to give you guys a quick heads up, this is not an unbiased review. This is just a movie love fest. So, if you're looking for an honest opinion or something that breaks down the movie and, you know, with a critical eye, you're going to have to look elsewhere. We're just going to talk about movies that we love. So, the format is every week I have a different guest and we talk about a movie that we love. So today I have a returning guest. Not so different. Not so different. <laughs> but um, I have here with me my, my husband. Hello. This is Nick. Um, they it, know me by now. They know who you are. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so today is actually our anniversary. Um, we've been married for about three years now, and we've been together for 11. So, I mean, what better way to ring this in? Actually, I, I didn't plan it this way. <laughs> Truth be told, I got pretty sick this weekend. And so I was supposed to have a, another guest, and I had to cancel, so Nick is filling in, and he's graciously taking this special day to record this. But I feel like it's okay, because he really, really likes this movie. I love this movie. You love it. Okay, and what movie are we discussing today? We are going a slightly different route today. It is the 1988 film Akira which is the first Japanese animated film to be shown in American theaters wow awesome all right now I'm gonna read you the synopsis of the movie real quick it's a little bit of a different format I still pulled it from Wikipedia but it kind of includes a little bit about the production as well Akira is a 1988 Japanese science fiction anime film directed by Katsuhiro Otomo. It's based on Otomo's manga of the same name. The film depicts a dystopian cyberpunk-based Tokyo in 2019, focusing on a teenage biker Tetsuo Shima and his leader, Shotaro Kaneda. Because of Tetsuo's superpowers, Kaneda, resistance terrorist K, Colonel Shikishima of the JSDF and a trio of espers attempt to prevent Tetsuo from releasing the imprisoned psychic Akira. While most of the character designs and settings were adapted from the manga, the plot differs considerably and prunes much of the last half of Akira. The film has garnered a large cult following since its theatrical release and is widely considered to be a landmark in Japanese animation. It is considered by many critics to be one of the greatest animated and science fiction movies of all time. I believe it. Yep. Yeah, so that's the synopsis. I, it doesn't really dive much into the plot, but we will get into that. Okay, so in this section, I wanted to talk a little bit about anime and animated films in general. Uh, I think that there's a tendency in American culture to see any animated film as for children. And I think most animated films in America are marketed that way. The exception being anime. Uh, but that sort of fits into a weird subgenre of animation for Americans, and we're kind of like all in our own little group of anime lovers. And if you didn't really grow up, I think, exposed to that, you tend to have a, a different view of animation. It tends to be for children or anime, which is weird. I don't know. What do you think? I think so. I think it it is a, a misconception that anime is like weird and like cartoon porn, which <laughs> yeah. a lot of people call it. But that's like such a small, I guess, genre of it within itself. I mean, that'd be saying like, because there is is porn, that's all film. I mean, a lot of their, their shows and films are obviously live action, but I feel like they really ran with the animation thing to where it's kind of like an even number of shows are animated, 
but they just think of it as a show. It's not a cartoon. Yeah, I think, you know, growing up, animation has always had a big impact on me. I mean, before I knew what anime was, I was really, really into animation itself. I was pretty obsessed with Disney films. Even as a kid, I would collect the art books. I was more interested... I mean, I cared a lot about the characters, and I was a child, so I liked that, but I was really interested in the technical side of it, so I used to collect these really expensive art books. I don't even know how I got the money to do that. I guess I just saved money from, like, allowances and birthdays, They're and I stolen. would, yeah, I would go to the Disney store and buy these, like, $100 art books of just the art of the movie, and then I would buy books about the animation process, and the, the process always really interested me, and I always imagined applying that process to something eventually that was like more adult that you could do more with it that that it's limitless you know in a way that film practical effects were not back then yeah and and it's like just because it's animated doesn't mean the story isn't like deep or engaging yeah i think after seeing stuff like i mean when we were growing up you know like the beauty and the beast movie came out um aladdin and Lion King. I mean, I saw them as more than just movies. I saw them as, you know, art, as achievements, because they were true film, you know? And yeah, they would kind of almost create a technique each film mm -hmm. they, they did. So they were really pushing the envelope and, like, pretty much pioneering that whole industry. Yeah, I think that having that, that background and being that interested in the process... Uh, when I was exposed to anime, when I was, I don't know, maybe 12 or 13, I probably started with like Sailor Moon, like most people, you, I'm sure you started with DBZ. Either it was DBZ or, <laughs> it's either DBZ or one of the Gundams. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I was really interested for a variety of reasons. On a broader scale, I started to dive into like more anime. I would go to like the international section of video stores like Blockbuster or just other offshoot stores like that, and I would rent everything, even things that I probably shouldn't have watched. Um, but I was really surprised that they would take animation and use it the way that I'd kind of hoped, you know, I guess maybe not Disney, but somebody would, well, like, you know. Yeah, they take animation and they make a film. Yeah, they, they don't make, make a cartoon. serious movies, you know, and I think, I think the first serious thing that I ever saw was probably... Uh, Satoshi Kon's, uh, that collection that he did, it was called Memories. Mm -hmm. The three and, short films. Yeah, and there was a, a sci-fi short that had an opera singer in Magnetic it. Magnetic Rose. Yeah, and that really, I mean, I, I really liked that and I wanted more of that. And really you can make it look any way you want because there's so many different styles of drawing and there's different styles within the anime realm itself. I mean, there's the more cartoonish ones and then there's hyper-realistic looking ones. I think the challenge is if you really love movies, if you really want to appreciate movies, then you have You'll to like be all movies. yeah, open-minded to each genre. And I mean, that's a challenge even for myself. You know, over the years, I've become more open-minded to different genres because I want to see more. I want to appreciate more movies. But yeah, this this is kind of my passion project. This 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 fits my wheelhouse of movies that I wish people could appreciate. Uh, when you talk about movies that people could agree with you on, the number one thing that they'll say is, "Oh yeah, I really liked you know Spirited Away or um, Howl's Moving Castle or you know any of the Hayao Miyazaki films." Which I don't want to detract from Hayao no, Miyazaki. No, they're great films, but I mean. They, they have been called like the Disney of Japan because they are very, um, often very family friendly. Mm -hmm. 
Although Princess Mononoke was pretty badass. Yeah. And had some <laughs> awesome action scenes in it. Yeah. Um, but I think I think those are known because parents feel like, oh, I can take my, my kid to see this. But at the same time, you're getting that that notion that, oh, it's still just for kids. Yeah, I, th- I think that the the mindset is, this is like the closest, most comfortable thing that I'm willing to watch that's Japanese. Yeah. Like, like these people aren't the ones going to the midnight showing of the Cowboy Bebop movie right, when exactly. it first came out. Right. So my challenge to you guys out there, if you're not an anime fan, I mean, I've got recommendations, guys. Reach out to me seriously over this Twitter. This will be a good gateway movie. Yes, this is a good gateway movie. Like... There is so much out there that is so good, and a lot of it's pretty groundbreaking. Like, there's a lot of, um, going back to Satoshi Kon's movies, uh, you know, what's that movie called? Perfect Blue is a lot like Black Swan. because oh, there's almost a, exactly, but yeah. it was like 20-some-odd years before. Yeah, and it, that's sort of like art imitating life, imitating art, because, you know, he was very inspired by Darren Aronofsky's films, like mm-hmm. Requiem, and then he made this movie, and then later... I think just because Aronofsky's who he is, he yeah. makes Black Swan, which, you know, he's not copying Satoshi Kon, it's just... He likes the idea. Yeah, and, and it's kind of like... And they're both very similar. Yeah, it, it, Satoshi was influenced by him, so this is something he would naturally make. I don't think he, like, watched this movie and copied it. It's yeah. just, it's in the vein of what he would do. Um, another example is Paprika. It's very similar to Inception. You know, we're getting to a point with technology, with special effects, to where we can make movies like these anime movies um, in live action and have them be, you know, believable and engaging. And it doesn't feel like they're having to take shortcuts. We have the ability to make these movies. So I feel like maybe, you know, our society is getting to a point in America where you maybe can look back and watch these animated movies and appreciate them maybe on a different level, you know. Uh, But... I nodded just then. You, yeah, Nick's <laughs> nodding. Um, he's agreeing with everything I'm saying because it's our anniversary. Just kidding. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I don't know. I just, I, I'm sorry, guys. I just wanted to get that out of the way. I, I wanted to tell you guys how much stuff like this means to me. Um, I really do love anime a lot, but I have really specific reasons and very specific uh stories and artists and directors that I am pretty passionate about. Yeah, it's just like films over here. People have their favorites. Like some people love all Spielberg films. But I mean, you are a huge uh, Satoshi Kon fan. So for all my blabbering about this, uh, I didn't see this movie until recently. <laughs> it's our <laughs> like third till... year anniversary, but now I want a divorce. I know. So this was one of those movies that's just I mean, it's like the movie that kind of brought anime over here. And I don't know if I was just being contrary or what my problem was. I'd never seen it. You were being a damn fool all those years. I know. I think I think because when I looked at the the art, when I looked at what it was about, I thought, I don't really see anything here that interests me, which, you know, I'm not interested or I wasn't interested in like biker gangs or, you know, stuff like that. And I thought this is like a movie for for men. That's what I thought when I saw it. And man, I could not be more wrong because what this movie, like the biker aspect of it has almost nothing to do with the movie. Yeah. They kind of, that just happens to be why that little group is together. But then it, it spreads out from there towards, doesn't really have anything to do with them and their gang. Right. So this movie, um, like you said, it was like the first one that they showed in American theaters, and uh, it's it's had a pretty big impact since then. Just to throw out some 
some quick facts about fact the movie. Fact time. It's fact time. Um, the film takes place in 2019. Actually, it takes place in 1988 and 2019 because... Yeah, the opening scene is takes is, place in 1988. And then it uh, comes back in 2019. Uh, Kira means bright, intelligent, and clear in Japanese. Uh, they finished the score of this entire movie before they even started like animating it. And we'll get into that. Uh, it it went on to influence things like The Matrix, and I even uh, read a note that it influenced uh, Stranger Things, which I kind of want to read more about. But I I could see I the eleven see angle. Yeah. yeah, definitely eleven is like one of the um the three kids. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So in this movie, um, the animation editing was finished in the storyboarding phase. So like they. And they said that actually happens a lot with animated movies because they're not—it's not film. So like when you do storyboards, that's what it's going to look like. Yeah, that's what it will look like. Unlike with storyboards in a real film, where it just kind of gives you a map. It's take, like take after take after take, and it'll be yeah. different over a few takes. Right. The storyboards in this movie basically were the map for the true animation. So they—it it helped them understand, you know, how to make the movement really fluid, and that that was all done in that phase. Which, seeing this on Blu-ray, it is. Definitely very fluid for being coming up on 30 years next year. It's it's incredible. It is It holds up. I think one of the biggest things that stands out in this movie is the music. Uh, it was done by Yamashiro Gumi, which they have a really wide music range. Uh, they do a lot of ethnic, rhythmic songs. Yeah, almost so, kind of has like a, a tribal sound. Yeah. I think it was a good choice because the, the characters are in a biker gang. And during the 70s, there was a huge problem with biker gangs in Japan. They would they would call them like Bozozuko, which is like loud, um, loud tribe or speed tribe. And so they're very like gang or like family or tribe driven characters. And wow. so it kind of makes sense why they would have this music whenever they were riding their bikes often. I'm getting a lot of this information that I'm reading to you really from the extras on the DVDs that we have. So the instruments that were used in this movie were uh, kind of like you said, they're like tribal sounding because they were taken from Indonesia, Polynesia, really all over the world. And they specifically chose instruments that have been around for a really long time because that kind of makes those instruments seem timeless. So Nick, when did you first see Akira? I think the funny thing is I had, I had seen it because we rented it, but then I would see like the... At the time, it was probably like the 10th or 15th year anniversary edition, like in this really cool metal case. I wanted it so bad, but I couldn't afford it because DVDs, let alone anime DVDs, were so expensive yep. back in the day. I want to say this was like almost a $50 DVD. It sounds insane now, but yeah, yeah, I, I remember those days. Um, anime was pretty scarce, so... When you wanted an anime DVD or even a VHS tape, it was like 30 bucks. Yeah, you almost had to have like an import license or something to get stuff. <laughs> yeah, there, it I seemed... mean, there was a lot of bootlegs for that reason. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that uh, we saw it at Alamo. Um, they had like a theme night with this movie, and 
you know, I've watched it a few times, but you know, nowadays it's so easy to get distracted and look at your phone. There's a lot going on in this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, just visually, it's like almost assaulting with how much you're seeing, the sound, everything about it. I mean, you're not bored, but there's so much happening and so quickly that I think your mind can like wander a little bit if there's any distractions. Like, like I said, I have a really bad habit of looking at my phone when I'm at home. I yell at her. Um, or getting up and doing something else entirely. Uh, so, like, when I saw it in theaters, which I think is how it's truly... This is one of those films that yes. it, it is meant to be appreciated in a theater where it's dark, where you can't go anywhere, where you're just looking at the you're screen. You're handcuffed to the chair. Yeah. It was a in your eyes. completely different experience for me. It seeing it in like theaters. It, it felt like a different movie. I felt like for the first time I understood it from start to finish. I'm not saying... You know, some some of you out there might see this movie and and have maybe like my initial reaction or maybe further from that and say like, oh, there's so much going on. I don't know what's happening. It's it's crazy. But if you really um, just give it a chance and, and really hang in there, pay close attention, it is the payoff is worth it. I will never see this movie the same. Like I anytime it's in theaters, I'm probably going to go see it again just because I really want to have that experience again. Um, it, it was definitely made for the theater. So I just kind of wanted to, to add that part. And this is speaking as somebody who saw this recently, so I can't even say, like, I had rose-colored glasses on when I saw it as a, as a child or something. Because I, I saw, I saw it, it as it an lived adult, up. you know, in, in my 30s. So, yeah, I, it was really good. I really loved it. I don't say I probably saw it when I was 13 and again all throughout there and then again when I'm, I was 30, so. Okay, so when researching this movie... Um, I discovered, because I, I didn't know much about it other than seeing it, you know, I've seen it several times and I really like it, but I knew it was based on a, on a comic. Well, Katsuhiro Otomo directed, wrote, and created the comic. So he had complete creative control over this. That's probably why it's so good, because it, it's not that it doesn't stray from the comic, but it's a new telling from... The perspective the, the of the creator's author. mind. Yeah. yeah, he's like, this is, I oh, I made this really good comic, but I would change this and this uh, to adapt it for film. So it's really still his perfect image. It's of still this from story. the source. Yeah. Um, so he started the comic in 1982, and he really didn't have plans to make it into a movie, but it was um, offered to him, like, hey, what what do you think about making this into a movie? He actually made the movie before it even ended, because it ended like a couple years later. Uh, he had already worked on other animated films, so he kind of had that background already, and that's why he was like, yeah, sure, I'm going to do I that. You can, can do that. Uh, in the commentary that I was watching, or in, in the interview I was watching, he was saying he thought of this movie as more of a visual work than just an animation, kind of going back to what I said earlier. Mm-hmm. So he thought of it more as a total visual work, not character-driven, but more you know, looking at it from that, from that aspect. He recorded the lines before animating, which if you guys know anything about uh, anime, typically it's the reverse of that. So in America, when we create animated films over here, we typically record all the characters' lines and then use, you know, the actors' expressions and stuff to kind of help develop how they're going to design the characters. But in Japan, it's typically the opposite of that. Typically, they'll animate everything. They'll watch it while they speak. And they'll have to match that. But I think that um, this gives a more realistic and better result when you do it in the beginning. Because then you're modeling real movement versus an actor trying to mimic an animated movement, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
he's uh, the director said that Akira is a retelling of I'm probably gonna butcher this <laughs> Tetsuyin Twenty Eight. Does that sound right? <laughs> I think so. I've Tetsuyin or Tetsujin. I've never actually seen it, but I know of it. Yeah, there's a lot of references throughout the movie. Uh, that Twenty Eight, mm-hmm. I think, on Tetsuo's hand. The fact that his is, name's Tetsuo. Yeah, Tetsuo is Twenty Eight. Yeah, and then. Kaneda is also a character, I think, in Tetsuyan, if I'm not mistaken. So he, he pulled a lot of influences from there. Uh, he also talked in this interview about American movie influences that he had. Uh, he mentioned Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Easy Rider, Bonnie and Clyde. And the biggest thing he kind of walked away with from those movies was learn like a lot of them were about leaving home. And that really interested him. That made him think, I want to do that. You know, I want to leave where I am and, you know, go out into the world and do things. Yeah, and and he saw comics as an outlet for that. Yeah, so I mean, I think that, you know, his, his, his point about it being like a visual experience or a visual work of art, uh, I think really speaks to what this movie is because there's a lot of incredible things from a technical aspect. Uh, the animation is incredibly fluid. I mean, for any... Still. Yeah, for any animated or anime movie, it's very, very fluid. Um, the sound, I think, is really incredible. I can't remember the name of it, but there was a machine that they invented while making this movie to, I guess, mix sound. Uh, they explained it, and forgive me, but I got a little lost. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think that it, it did make, it did make me think, wow, you know, the sound in this movie, the sounds in it, um, have a lot of impact, I think. Well, another thing that's, that's really neat, like on top of the sound is I think the, the movie looks so good. Cause it's so, it's a very colorful movie for being kind of a, well, it's not really a dark story, but it's, it's okay, but it's very um, vivid colors. Mm-hmm. I um, I think we were talking last night. I had always heard rumors uh, that red plays a big part in the film, and they they ran out of all the reds in their palette, so they had to make one and call it Akira Red. Well, earlier, right before we filmed this, I was I read this. It's not necessarily just Akira Red. They actually had to mix. I think eighty. Wow. Brand new colors because they just they did not have enough colors to put in this film. The color palette of this film definitely stands out, which is interesting because it it doesn't need to be that colorful when you it think really about doesn't. the subject matter, the fact that they're in the city, but it adds a lot. It really does. I think the only animated movie, anime movie that I've seen that has been this vivid is probably Paprika. Yeah. Yeah, I could I But could even agree then that. I'm pretty sure it doesn't have it definitely same... borrows a lot, right? Yeah. I mean, from this movie, for sure. It's definitely influenced by it. So the the plot of this movie, you know, if I was to read to you the entire plot, like from Wikipedia, it's it's pretty long. We'd be here all night. It, it's not complex, necessarily. It's just kind of long to explain. But one of the things that I really like about this movie that I think I kind of missed in the first couple of viewings because you're just so, I think... You know, you're you're taking in everything, visually, sound, you know. You're trying to take all that in. On top of all that, there's a complex story, you know, behind it. So yeah, I, I kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit. Go ahead. I think story-wise, the first time I saw it, 
I don't think I picked up at all on the whole, like, resistance aspect of it, which is a huge part of the film. Yeah. So, okay, I'm going to try, guys. Bear with me. I want to break down just, like, maybe a couple uh, story aspects of this movie that you might not catch in the first viewing. Again, it's not that it's hard to understand. It's just that there's so much to this film. Yeah, it's like Lego Batman. (laughs) You have to see it more than once because you're laughing and you don't hear the jokes right after the first joke. Yeah. So, um... So yeah, I think, you know, it's a very beautiful movie. I, I read one uh, review, I was reading about it like on Rotten Tomatoes too a little bit and one review gave it like, I think it was like 86% is what it has as an overall score. Well, they're and idiots. Yeah, they're clearly <laughs> not intelligent. No, I'm kidding. Um, but uh, I'm trying to remember exactly how it was phrased, but basically it said that the movie was distractingly violent and bloody and you know, kind of an assault on your senses, but the kinetic energy of this movie is very, like, appealing and exciting. So it kind of sounds like, to me, that Partial disagree with that. Yeah. I think that there's a tendency to be so overwhelmed by the color, the sound, everything, just the scope of this movie, that you're sort of missing the plot. I mean, is that fair to say? Yeah, I wonder if this reviewer... Um, what we're trying to get you guys not to do <laughs> is maybe, I really don't know, I'm just making an assumption, but maybe he wasn't familiar with like anime work and they kind of are often pretty violent. Well, I, I also think that if this movie came out now, it'd be different, right? I mean, like think about like John Wick or, uh, I don't know, Judge Dredd or Game of Thrones. I was going to uh, say, I uh, really Thrones, hope this like... would be very Dredd-esque nowadays. Yeah. But I feel like violence isn't as much of a shocker or a detractor the way that it used to be. Yeah. I mean, to especially call it, in a cartoon. Yeah, I think in the, the fact 80s. you're right, and the fact that it's a cartoon adds another level of like, oh, this is making me uncomfortable. This is a cartoon yeah. and it's violent. But maybe you'll see that from the pattern of some of the movies that we like. Violence and sexual imagery is not necessarily a detractor, depending on how it's used. You know, yeah. so. Again, I think that, you know, saying it's distractingly violent, but, oh, there's so much going on, so much kinetic energy. You know, I feel like a lot of that is kind of a nice way of saying, I mean, this is going to... I don't get it. Yeah, and it's a way of saying, like, this is going to assault your senses and give you an incredible experience, but that's it. But I would say to that, there's actually a lot more going on in this movie than just that. Yeah. Like, in addition to all that, there's a good story. And I think that's what hooks me. Because me, as as a movie lover, I feel like I need both. Some of the plot points of this movie. So, in the very beginning, uh, there is a psychic singularity event. A.K.A. an explosion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's Akira, but you don't know that in the beginning, necessarily. Yeah, you just see, really, like, the center of Tokyo just explode. Yeah. Which, I mean, this this idea about an explosion and a neo tokyo it's pretty prevalent in a lot of japanese movies and anime because of um the atomic bomb yeah exactly so i mean they're the first anime ever was um astro boy astro boy and the original astro boy he, he was tasked with cleaning up the fallout yeah in the beginning of this movie there's a big explosion which i think is um akira is either the cause or the end of World War Three. Yeah, I think it starts World War Three. Yeah. So World War Three kicks off with this big explosion. Starts in eighty eight. Yeah, and then now we're in twenty nineteen, 
and in we're in Neo Tokyo where it's been rebuilt, mm -hmm. and um, they're about to host the Summer Olympics, right? Twenty twenty Olympics. Yeah, just in like Japan. in real life. Weird. Um, so yeah, so they're about to kick off uh, the Olympics, but there's a lot of uh, internal, what do you call it, unrest or yeah. So pretty much the uh, the stadium has been unfinished. Yeah. Like it's kind of like these Olympics might not happen. The government is trying to get control over the people and they want to host an Olympics. But in the meantime, you know, Neo Tokyo is sort of going to shit. So there's just complete lawlessness in Tokyo at this point. Yeah, um, like you said, there's a lot of biker gangs. Streets are riddled with like gridlock traffic, biker gangs, or like tanks. Yeah. That's pretty much all you see if you go outside in this, in this world. I think also like uh, we had mentioned before when we were watching this movie that there's a, a really strong both Blade Runner and mm -hmm. Warriors vibe. Yeah. And I feel like in the movie Warriors, that's another like fear of youth culture. Youth which is rising up, yeah. Yeah, which is what's happening in this movie. It's like there's so much civil unrest. Kids are not going to school. They're not being controlled. I mean, everyone's just so busy dealing with the conflict that yeah, it kind of leaves no room for them and there's no structure for them. So there is a rise of gangs and they're just kind of doing whatever they want. So like throughout the movie, you'll see kids, you know, making out in public, doing drugs. And also just... like they're the scene. I mean, they have to like convert gymnasiums and stuff like makeshift, not necessarily detention centers, but like little police hubs because there's so much stuff and so many people are getting in trouble. They can't really keep up with it. There's a huge divide between the youth and the adults, and like the youth, but there's really only about a year difference. Yeah, like and that same, happens in the movie. The yeah. same scene when they're being questioned, this real haggard-looking cop is like questioning them, and then I think uh, I think Kaneda calls him old man, and he's like, "I'm only 26" or something like that, and it's like there's not much difference. Like they're probably like 18. Yeah, and this guy's not even 10 years older, but there's such a divide. It almost feels like that's the only job you're going to get, too. It's like once you transition out of being this young, free teenager, you're going to also become part of... You're going to be an enforcer, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, and you become part so of the system. There's no future. Like... There's no other real jobs. Because I feel like this is not actually stated in the in the film, but when you watch it, every storefront is closed. Yeah. None of the stores are... There's like some... The bar they go to is open, but there's no like shops anymore. They're yeah, it's all just closed a big... down. Yeah, their entire infrastructure is just broken down. And then so, you know, in this movie, it, it kicks off with Canada and his group. They're in a biker gang called the Capsules. And uh, he has a childhood friend named Tetsuo that's like a, almost like a brother to him. That's They're a both in younger. the same orphanage together. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another thing. These kids don't have parents. You know, there's nobody, probably because of the um, Probably during World the War, War III. they were probably yeah. killed or displaced or something. And uh, they get into a conflict with a group called the Clowns, and Tetsuo... They mess them up. Yeah, <laughs> it's a cool scene. Um, but so what happens, like Tetsuo almost runs over this kid, right? And then the kid has a psychic... No, he, he would have run over him. He, I mean, he runs right into him. Is it 26, I think? And pretty much, I mean, since this kid is was... We, we'll get into it later, but he was like experimented on. He's got this this psychic abilities like we're saying in the synopsis they're espers uh esp users pretty much and that type of thing but i mean 
It's like that scene in BVS where Batman runs into Superman. Yeah. But he, like, <laughs> runs into this kid and it just explodes. And the kid's yeah. just standing there. But uh, Tetsu is, like, messed up. He, like, got thrown from his bike. He's all torn up now. And so the police But uh, the, But the in. blast upon impact, I feel like that transferred... Some of the power, power. over to him. Yeah. Yeah. Because they the came Tetsuo. into such close contact. So then the the uh, a colonel comes in that's Not one just of the police, main characters. Like yeah, military police. The government military pretty much. Uh, come in and they, they basically scoop everybody up. And Kaneda and his gang have no idea who these people are. They don't know what's happening. They don't know who that kid is. But like Nick's saying, uh, they're these children with psychic abilities and they have a connection to the government kind of think i don't know et or like yeah you know think of like in all the movies where yeah, you no. know well, the military well, has a handle on something that they shouldn't and what we kind of skipped it. over is like during this uh chase scene between the capsules and the clowns there's this um this one guy with 26 like trying to get him out of there like you you oh, all yeah that's right you I already did, know I forget that He's, um, you haven't seen the facility, but you kind of feel like this is a scientist or a doctor that's worked with him and he doesn't like what is being done to him and he's trying to get him out of there. Yeah. But he gets, I mean, annihilated by the government. They just blast him away. But 26 is able to, um, to get away temporarily. Yeah. Man, that, that and, is until, a connection. Until 26 he, and 11. Until like... he meets up or has the literal run in with, um, Tetsuo. Yeah. So this kicks off an event where, you know, the military has them and you start to see more of this facility where they're keeping Tetsuo. He starts He's to very sick. accrue these psychic, psychic abilities. abilities. Um... So that's happening. And then in the meantime, Kanada and his crew are being questioned by the police and you know they basically find out they don't know anything. They're just a bunch of dumb kids. But during this meeting he sees a, a pretty girl that's young and he's interested in and she is part of a resistance group and so he lies to get her out claiming she's part he's, of their he gang. says she's she was with them that night and kind of just pulls her out of the a crowd of faces pretty much yeah and that so, are also there being questioned questioned for various reasons so they slip away and you know he's trying to get interested in her i think their relationship is really interesting because the the, the best thing about watching this is like Kanada is not a hero. No. He's literally a dumb kid. He's he's pretty dumb. I mean, that's yeah. all he's thinking about is like girls and his bike. There's all these big things, all these big moving parts of this film, and then caught up in the middle of it is these this group of teenagers, yeah. you know, and that they just want to have fun. They just want to go drink. Yeah, they're uh, not thinking hang out about with girls and right. that's it. They didn't they really don't care grow about up. the resistance. Mm -hmm. They didn't grow up with knowing what it was like before yeah you know so they don't they're not paying attention to this collapse of their entire economy because to them like, it's normal that's just yeah. what happens so that, they're in, known yeah and they're enjoying the freedom of being able to drive around on bikes and mess people up and that's all they care about then he meets this girl who's you know kind of a little bit out of his league and that she's a little more mature than him we were we were discussing this when we we're watching it. i think i don't know about the whole group because i think there's some that look younger but i think i feel like canada is probably I want to say 18. K is probably, I want to say, a year or two older than him. Probably like 20 or 21. But mentally, I think she's a lot more mature. I mean, she's in the resistance, like deep in the resistance. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's sort of a, a love triangle going on in this movie where K is interested in Ryu, who is a, a, a double agent. He's part of the resistance, but he's also in the government. 
And then Kaneda is trying to kind of swoop in and, you know, win her over. And by the end of the movie, I think she realizes, well, Ryu dies, but she also, I think, realizes that as mature as she's trying to be, she's still pretty young. She's still, yeah. There's more of a connection, I think. Kaneda kind of proves himself throughout the film. Yeah, he, he definitely, he definitely, um, as most films, he does evolve towards the end. He's just this dumb kid at a bar when you first see him and you see that sweet jacket he's got on. <laughs> I want that jacket so bad. But he's just in this 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 bar and his buddies say um, the clowns are messing up our turf and they go beat him up to where he's trying to impress this girl to where they're actually infiltrating government facilities. To get to Tetsuo. To get to Tetsuo towards the end where he's actually in charge. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it is definitely a very clear uh, evolution of a character. Yeah. Going back to the beginning of the movie, um, there was a a child initially called Akira who had these incredibly powerful psychic abilities. Yeah, the strongest uh, power of... of the whole group of children they were experimenting on. Yeah, he was in a group of children that they were experimenting on, like you said, that had these um, ESP-type powers. And he was so powerful that he caused this explosion. And so they basically um, killed him and and dissected him. him. And now he's just in all these little pieces, and they bury them deep under the stadium, right? And that's why Tetsu is, like, drawn there, because Mm -hmm. he knows or he He can can sense sense his presence. He wants to reawaken him because he knows that once he gets close enough he to can him, have his his uh slowly growing powers will be like heightened exponentially if he can get to this power source which is akira and then the children know this and, and so they're trying to stop him along with kanada and um k is that right k okay. yeah <laughs> i was just we just looked her up but i was like so Kaneda has no idea what's going on. He's just trying to get his buddy back. Yeah. And then when he sees what Tetsuo becomes once he comes in contact with uh, with Akira, which is Benene, but I, you'll just have to see it. <laughs> um, just think a he tries giant... tries to stop him. Yeah. yeah. Giant garbage bag robot baby. That's a pretty good description. That's what he looks like. But yeah, it basically ends the with... The scene is so awesome, though. Uh everything kind of starting over again i mean there's another explosion at the end right kind of but i feel like um the children stop akira in a sense Mm -hmm. and he allows it to um um to go on because in the end they're actually okay they drive off into the sunset yep but yeah i mean so you know we kind of went all over the map with that but I guess what I'm trying to say is there's a lot going on in this movie. Um, I mean, there's so much there's that so we much haven't story. even like, mentioned. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it's so good. Like some of the the scenes for being in a uh, an animated movie are like not like that guy said, assaultingly violent, but they are pretty <laughs> cringeworthy. I mean, there's a scene where I think because they're so where, fluid and they're so real, that's what yeah. I mean, that's what's cringeworthy about it. It seems real. Like the the scene where the the kids try to um scare Tetsuo. Tetsuo into not using his powers, but in doing so, he kind of like fights back. And in the process, he's he steps on this glass that's in his room and it's it it so like, painful. It looks it's I mean, this this movie is not super um, detailed, but it just just the idea of like st- stumbling backward and stepping on it, you're like, oh man! But that really adds something. Well, that's what shocks 
the, all of the them kids. Out, of the, out of the dream. So, like, yeah, the children are giving him this, like... This nightmare. This, yeah, this, like, like this hallucination that he's yeah. experiencing, and t- it's terrifying him. And they're but, trying to influence him, but then when he cuts his foot, it, you know, their it the sky kind of goes away. Yeah. Because they're so sheltered. They've probably never actually been injured in their life. They probably don't even know what it is. Like, I think, um, I think 26 actually... They're like, oh no, it's blood. He's yeah, like, you weirdo. He's yeah, like, he like doesn't, they don't even really know what's going on. But that whole scene, I mean, it it looks like a dream. It's it's scary. It's like it's, it's a really cartoon, well. but it's it's scary, you know. And it's really good. Um, man, I'm trying to think of anything else we could talk. There's so much we could talk about. Really, we could go on for hours. But there's a lot. The um, one neat thing I thought that they kind of touch on is that I guess some people are a little more in tune. They say Akira, the power is kind of in everyone. Like, um... Like the Force. Like the Force. I'm <laughs> I'm one with the Force, and the Force is with me. But no, um... I think the... What child? I think 25, Man, the little girl. Man, you remember all the characters easier than I do, I think. But I think 25, she uses her power. I'm probably wrong which one it is, but she uses her power. She can speak through Kay. Mm-hmm. And they kind of do it a good way because like, sometimes Kay like, starts acting weird. You're like, why is she being weird? But 25 has like this purple eyeshadow on, and whenever she speaks through Kay, the purple eyeshadow appears. You're like, oh, okay, I see what they're doing. Yeah. And it's a really neat way of doing it without having to like sit you down and explain to you that she's using this like psychic link to get information to other people that aren't necessarily right there. One thing I think we haven't even touched on yet is not that important, but I think it is, is Kanade's bike. I still want that bike. That thing is so cool. <laughs> I think it's crazy how futuristic the design still looks after all these years. It still looks current. I think, I don't know what manufacturer it is. I want to say it was Yamaha. They made like, not a real one, but they made like a replica and it yeah. looks pretty cool. So what keeps you coming back to this movie? Honestly, this is the type of movie that I just, I like the story so much. And I like the way it looks. I can really sit down and watch it anytime. I don't get tired of it. I can't even think of a part in it where I'm like, oh, this is the uh, the slow part. Yeah, Like that true. does not exist in this film. The entire time you're, you feel engaged in the movie the whole time. I think I keep coming back to it because... You know, it, it is like a visual work of art, but it's also a really good science fiction story. Yeah. What would you say to someone that hasn't seen it before, though? I would be like, I'd sit them down and be like, okay, you're in for something. It's going to be good, but you're in for something. It is a, it really is, like you're saying, they don't super focus on any one character. I almost feel like the world it's in, I feel like you're supposed to be one of the characters also, because you're kind of like experiencing everything with the characters. Like you're It's in, immersive. You're yeah. in their group, yeah. I recommend, you know, seeing in theaters if, if at yes, all possible. Definitely. Um and I mean it, it's a classic for a reason. It's it's pretty amazing. There's not a lot of films like it. I mean even now even as much as I love anime, even as much as I've seen it's hard to compare this to something. I mean, you can definitely tell that anime going forward was very influenced by it, but I haven't seen anything this groundbreaking since then. Like, first, 
Japanese animated film in American theaters. Also the highest grossing film of 1988. Yeah. That's nuts. Well, thank you so much for talking with me about this movie. I love this movie. I know, me too. (laughs) We both love it. I think your enthusiasm for it is probably what finally convinced me to see it. And I'm glad that I did because I am a big fan. I will tell everybody to go see this movie for sure. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. And if you like what you hear, please feel free to leave a positive review on iTunes. Remember, when you leave a positive review, you are entered to win a $20 gift card. And once I get up to 25 reviews, I will select someone. Thank you to everybody that's already responded. I really appreciate the support. And remember, if you have a question or a correction or anything of that nature, please reach out to me via Twitter. Uh, My handle is AYA Lisa Cosplay. Again, that's AYA Lisa Cosplay. I look forward to hearing from you guys. Thanks.